Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. We're your hosts, Brad Stahlberg and Steve Magnus. Brad, what's going on today? Not so much, Steve. I am on my back porch. It's a nice, cool summer afternoon here in Asheville, so I'm enjoying the feeling of the breeze, and I'm looking forward to talking to you. That's right. We've got a wonderful topic today. We're going to compare the Norwegian approach to youth sports to the American one. But before we dive in, just a reminder that this podcast is ad-free and community-supported. So help us continue to keep it that way by considering supporting us on Patreon. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to monthly book clubs, mastermind groups, a community Slack channel, signed copies of our new books, early podcast releases, and all sorts of other great bonus material. Head over to www.patreon.com backslash the growth equation to learn more, or you can click on the link in our show notes. The other way to support us is to grab our books. Most recently, Do Hard Things by Steve and The Practice of Groundedness by me. We take years to pour our minds, hearts, and souls into these books, and they really wrestle with the topics that we love to talk about on the podcast in the deepest form that at least we can bring to bear. So join us on Patreon, grab a copy of our books. Doesn't matter if you want to read it hardcover, listen to it on Audible. They're available wherever books are sold and uh, continue to level up with us here at The Growth Equation. All right, so let's dive in. So for those who don't know, we just got done with the Track and Field World Championships. And what sparks this conversation we're having today is there was a wonderful article in the San Diego Union-Tribune that compared the Norwegian model to youth sports to the American. And... The article went viral. We shared it in the newsletter, but I think it made some wonderful points that we're going to explore. And I'm going to start with this, is that in the article, Karsten Warholm was was quoted. And for those who don't know, he is a athletics track and field legend, 400 meter hurdler who was Olympic gold medalist and world record holder. And he said, I think a lot of people can learn from it, meaning the Norwegian model. I never felt any pressure. My parents never pushed me, but that also created something inside me that I had my own drive. I had my own flame. And the difference between the Norwegian and the American model in general is that the American model, as we've talked about before, is based on outcomes, selectively pushing athletes, you know, obsessive youth sports where there's pressure, selection, tournament teams, travel teams for seven-year-olds. It's all about, you know, winning the best, the, the brightest, all that good stuff. The Norwegian model in general is the exact opposite. It's about fun, in fact, there's even a a, um, a clause in their kind of manifesto for Norway on U Sports that says, don't keep score for a long time. And it's more on developing and helping kids have like this lifelong um, understanding. And to give you guys maybe a more concrete uh, viewpoint, I'm gonna lo- I'm gonna read you a couple of these their national youth sports policy statements. And I think this will really kind of get it clear. 
Children have the right to participate in training and competitive activities, which will facilitate development of friendship and solidarity. Children have the right to experience a sense of mastery and to learn many different skills. They must all be granted opportunities. Children have the right to state their viewpoints and to be heard. They must be granted opportunities to participate in planning and execution of their sports activities. Children have the right to choose which sport or how many sports they would like to participate in and decide for themselves how much they would like to train. And this gets exact opposite of kind of the American parental top-down approach that is often pushes us to specialization, pushes us to parent or coach-driven training, takes away choice from athletes. And, um, and it's interesting to think about. Right. I think that there's two conundrums here. The first is that in youth sports and probably in talent development more broadly, so I would take this and equate it to trying to have someone be a spelling bee champion or a phenomenal musician or uh, world class at math or chess, you name it. There is probably like a time delay agency issue between the performer and the person that is coaching them or has an interest in their doing well at any given moment. So Norway takes a very slow burn model to peak performance. They want their athletes peaking between the ages of, I don't know, 20 and 30. They don't want their athletes peaking at age nine. So what this means is the whole system has to be set up to incentivize that. The nine to 10 year old baseball ski coach in Norway can't have his or her standing in the community be based on how well that nine or 10 year old team did. Because if it is, they're going to push those nine or 10 year old kids to win at all costs starting at that age. Whereas what they do really well in Norway is they hold back, they show restraint. The kids don't perhaps put forth their all out best performance at nine or 10, but that allows them emotionally not to burn out and physically not to get injured as they get older, they continue to explore the sport and they develop. Contrast that to the United States of America, where starting at, I don't know, U8, U9, there's this professionalization of youth sports where the coach, the adult coach, feels like they need to win. So they push the kids to perform their best in that specific day, in that specific season. And the result is you get 9 and 10-year-olds having Tommy John surgeries on their arm suffering burnout two or three years later, becoming super anxious about participation in sports to begin with. And we wonder why we have so few stellar athletes that make it out of the gauntlet. Well, it shouldn't be a gauntlet. And I think that is the the biggest difference. But that agency issue is real because it's all the way up to middle school and high school. I mean, you could have a middle school baseball coach that gets fired because their team didn't win the state championship. And the reason for that is they refuse to have the pitcher throw back-to-back 100-pitch games. Now, could the pitcher have done that? Sure. Would that have boded well for the pitcher's career as a collegiate or professional player? No, it could have ruined his career if you, if you throw out your arm. So I think that um, there's got to be a way to address this agency issue. Otherwise, we're going to keep running into the same problems here in America. Yeah, you know, and I think what a lot of it is, is um, America takes advantage of of our abundance of talent pool because we have so many people sports are so big etc etc that we almost take the 
throw eggs against the wall, see who survives approach, as I outlined actually and do hard things. And we can get away with it at the professional leagues, at the Olympic Games, because, you know, if we lose people, who cares? It doesn't matter. In Norway, they don't have that abundance of talent pool. So you see what they try and do is they try and structure youth sports where there are no elite youth teams, right? That comes later, maybe in towards the middle and high school years. But there are no U, U9, U10 travel sports teams because the goal is to develop and foster a love, an intrinsic love of the sport and keep people around long enough. Well, in the U.S., I think the stat is something like by the time they enter middle school, 70% of kids have quit quit their sports team in the U.S., that's the time, you know, we hit 13 or whatever. So we lose, we lose so many people because it's, it's essentially a funneling mechanism. And for so many people, that funnel is lost. And I think the other part of this is, well, what does that do? It selects for those who go through puberty early and are earlier developers and negates the late bloomers, which often occur, right? Because we all, I'll give you a story from my own, you know, experience. I wasn't the fastest, you know, distance runner in my, um, when I signed up for seventh grade cross country, which would be, I don't know, 12, 13, I was the second best guy in our school. I would get second at every cross country meet, you know, to this other guy in my school. Well, a couple years later, I was one of the best in the country, and he was no longer that good. Why? He was an early developer. I took a couple years to bloom. That's the reality of development. We can't, you know, can't process, can't understand that. But if I would have quit at 13, like 70% of people, I never would have found my talent in that sport. So it really does matter how many people you keep along around and how you're developing that talent over the long haul. And I think that it really comes down to that create an atmosphere where the goal of youth sports is to continue playing sports, which is very different than to win or to lose. When you hit college, collegiate sports, the goal is to win or to lose. In the professional leagues, the goal is to win or to lose. Maybe in a varsity high school situation, the goal is mostly to win or to lose with some kind of protections for players' physical and mental health. But certainly before you get to varsity high school, the goal ought to be to continue playing the sport. And I think something else that's interesting is you look at the the Scandinavian countries and, and you look at Norway, and they tend to have a healthier population than the United States of America too. And Why? Well, because if more people play sports for a longer period of time, even if they don't end up playing collegiately or in the pros, they have a positive association between physical activity and their emotions and how they feel, and they continue to engage in physical activity for their lifetime. So not only would this help us with better peak performance out of athletes as they hit their prime age, it would also help with everyone else that isn't an athlete and would help with the... um, 
overweight and obesity problems that we have in this country with the pre-diabetes problems with, I mean, you name it, we've talked about this forever. Physical activity could be bottled up into a pill. It would be a gazillion dollar blockbuster. And instead we burn kids out by making gym class a terrible experience and having them get nervous for their nine-year-old softball game. It, exactly. It's a. Uh, it's not only about you know performance at the high level or in college or professional sports, but it's also the health of society. And that's also, I think, if you look at the Norwegian model, something that they do really well is that it is cheap to play sports. I think you know, if I remember correctly from the articles I read, a large portion of youth sports leagues, centers, like. All that stuff is funded by the government. That's right. It's subsidized. You're right. Right. They subsidize it so that that way it's it's cheap to do. And I think that's why, again, if I remember correctly, I think the stat was something like 93% of Norwegian youth under 12 play organized sports. Well, if we look at the American model, again, what is it? You know, you join your select travel soccer team at age eight or nine and you're forking out thousands of dollars for your kid to stay in the program to play sport. And you're told, hey, you know, if you don't like you're not going to be on this pathway to, you know, playing in high school or scholarship or whatever, this dangling carrot at the end. So parents fork over the money unless they're not able to. And even at the high school level, there's often there's been a growing push um, in many states to have pay to play sports where it even costs money to join your high school, you know, track or football or baseball or basketball team. So let's talk about the implications here. And I'm going to talk for parents, but also for people that don't have kids, but care about their community and care about physical activity and athletics in, um, in, in their own neighborhoods. And I think the first responsibility is to realize the inherent pull to want to optimize for outcomes and performance at all ages and to have a very concrete boundary that says, I am not going to do this as a parent, as a coach, as an onlooker, as an official until the kids are at the very least late in high school. So I am going to think about what is best for these kids, not today, not in this inning, not in this season, but what is best for these kids between the ages of 18, maybe go down to 17 and 35, or what's best for them to develop good lifelong habits. Now, that requires a lot of courage because there are a lot of batshit crazy parents at sports. And I think that something that could be really powerful is just experimenting with having these calm conversations with people that might disagree in a very data-driven way, which is, hey, look, all the research in the world shows that the best way to make sure we develop talent is to keep them playing the game. And the best way for kids to keep playing the game is to have fun. And if your kid is having fun and staying in the game, when he or she hits their growth spur and goes through puberty, and to quote Steve, all that good stuff, well, guess what? If they're the real deal, it's going to be apparent to everyone. They're going to get a spot on the varsity team. They're going to get recruited. They're going to keep playing. No one is going to be made or broken by their middle school competition. Now, I actually, I misspoke. No one's going to be made. A lot of people are going to be broken. So 
I think that that is really the heuristic is, hey, am I doing what's best for this kid in this youth sports league or am I doing what's best for this kid over the course of his or her athletic life? And then the last thing that I'll say is, is a adult in the community, you really got to remember, like if you are getting and I know this is such an old trope that like you live vicariously through your kid. But if you're getting your source of identity and fulfillment based on your kids, youth sports, join a men's or women's adult soccer or inline hockey league. Like if you want to crush and you want to get yourself worth based on beating other people, that's fine. But don't put that onus on your own kid. Find it yourself. Yeah. The other thing that I'd say is look out for as a parent is don't be the coach. And and what I mean by that is like not a, whether you're officially the coach or not is doesn't matter, but it's like your role as the parent is to support. It is not to critic, create, critique, criticize, like make them a better athlete or whatever. Your job is win or lose. Be there on the sidelines, man, like great effort, you know? Way to go. All that good stuff because what happens is if you start blending those 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 lines, then it starts to often become a negative experience. And as someone who coached in college for a while, I saw this all the time where, you know, parents put on the coaching hat and the kid is looking for is like doesn't want to go talk to their parent after a race because they know they're going to get berated or criticized and they just want to, you know, feel like, Hey, that was good or bad, whatever. I'm going to move on and and do all and, and so forth. So I, I think that's a big part of it as well. And then the other thing that I think is important is, and this doesn't get said enough, but it's true. And I, I get, it's very hard to, you know, grasp this, but if your kid is lucky enough or fortunate enough to be really good at the college or even professional levels or make it to that level, their talent is going to express at some point. You know, it's like Brad said, the middle school coach is not going to make them. I would say even the high school coach is not going to make them. I would say no coach is going to make them. The coach adds the final couple percent, maybe keeps them from being messed up. But if the talent is good enough, they're going to find a way. And that way is almost in always from some sort of intrinsic internal drive that allows them to explore their talents and develop them. And the way you figure that out and support that is like by developing, as Karsten Warholm, one of the best athletes on the planet, said at the beginning, finding your own flame. If that flame is coming from anywhere else, you're setting them up for failure. They're going to, you know, go through some very tough times when, you know, at some point in their athletic development. And I guess the last thing that I'd say is, um, and I like where you went with that. Yeah, if you're the parent, don't be the coach. And this is something that I'm thinking about as my oldest gets old enough to start participating in organized sports is... Or if you're worried about this and you're worried about the coaches in your community, then be the coach. And it takes time and effort to show up to the eight-year-old t-ball game. But if you really care and you want to send the message that, hey, we're putting fun first, then yeah, go be the coach. And when parents come up to you and drive you to be more competitive or go for the win, you give them a copy of the practice of groundedness or do hard things or peak performance 
and you say, why don't you read this book and, and talk to me about how much winning matters right now for these nine-year-olds? Um, I, I have a coaching client who was not a great athlete growing up, but his kid has just really taken to sports and his kid is like six and um, he's the coach. And we talk about this topic sometimes and, and his mentality is like, I want every practice at this age, it should just be a circus because I'm competing against the circus, right? The kids are going to want to go to the fair or they're going to want to play video games. So this has to be more fun than those things. So my goal isn't to win t-ball games. It's not really even to develop skills. It's just to make it fun to come and engage in this because six-year-olds don't have the capacity to do much more other than run around and have fun. And the last thing I'll say to your point of the flame has to come within. So I kid you not, this is so timely because it happened in our neighborhood yesterday, is um, I hope my neighbors don't mind. I'm going to actually use names. So there's this kid named Augie in our neighborhood. Great kid. And I see Augie just looking gassed running around the neighborhood. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm running around the neighborhood as many laps as I can. I'm like, oh. And then I go over, I see his mom and I'm like, interesting, like that Augie's running and Augie's probably 10. She's like, yeah, I don't know what it is, but today he really wanted to get running. Well, two hours later, by the end of the day, all five boys in our neighborhood, age eight to 11, are running around the neighborhood like a little cross country team with their shirts off. The parents are out there cheering, giving them water. And this was completely on their own. No one said, hey, go run wind sprints. No one said anything. And I don't think that would have happened if the parents were there telling them to do it. Um, so again, I, I, I think that it's just so important to create an environment where there's fun if you're going to be the coach and then otherwise get out of the way and try to have the kids do it um, based on their own love and joy. And guess what? If your kid doesn't like sports, again, get in the adult league. If your kid wants to be in the choir or the opposite, if you were in the choir and your kid really wants to play sports, then go join the church or temple or mosque choir or whatever. But um, let your kid do what, do what they want to do. It's going to be best for them. And then if you care about the culture and having great talent in whatever domain, we've just got to stop breaking kids early on because we, the adults, want to win now instead of prioritizing what's best later. It, exactly. And I think that's what it's all about. And I can summarize it better is that, you know, if you're a parent and you're saying, OK, how do I balance this stuff out? I would just say, look at, you know, a simple metric. Is your kid enjoying the sport he's playing or not? Does it look like he has angst and or he or she has angst and anxiety and worry around playing the sport? Or are they just having fun? The more the younger they are, the more it needs to be like the fun side. Actually, it should never be like entirely angst and anxiety side either at any age, but the more it needs to be fun. And you need to, the way I would say is create the environment just as maybe during our generation, Brad, of going outside and playing, you know, pickup basketball or, you know, football in the street or, you know, roller hockey in the cul-de-sac where often there weren't any parents around and you're just doing it because you enjoy it. For the vast majority of, of a sport in youth, that's what it should mimic. It shouldn't mimic these kind of hyper-controlling specialized leagues where winning is all that matters. Love it. All right. So I think that we've um, 
we've we've done a really good brief. Of, well, I don't know if it's really good. It sounds really good in my head because they're my thoughts and your thoughts are basically like my thoughts at this point and vice versa. So sounds good in mine, Steve's heads. Hopefully this sounds good in your heads and it makes sense. Um, if you are a parent, we hope that we gave you some language to talk about this delayed um, peak performance period and how to show restraint. If you're not a parent and you might be one day, great. And if you have no interest in having kids, well, if you want to be in your community when the chance comes to talk about this issue and raise it and do so in really clear terms, hopefully we helped give you some language to do just that. And if you're really diehard and you're committed to your state, county, nationality, country winning championships on the world stage, uh, it's really important to know that you get there slowly by slowly and by not pushing kids too fast too soon. So keep it fun for the kids get out of their way. And um, with that, hopefully uh, y'all can start off the, the school year and fall sports season with some good knowledge on how not to mess up your kids. That's what we're always trying to do. Just don't mess them up. They should go to therapy for something different than you do. Thanks for listening to the Growth Equation podcast. Learn more about our work and find show notes at our website, www.thegrowtheq.com. Follow us on Twitter at B. Stahlberg and at Steve Magnus. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast as this goes a long way in helping it reach others.